Hello, and welcome to the Essentials of Faith program. Have you ever noticed how some people complicate even the simplest Bible teachings as though God's hiding something from us? Maybe you've been frustrated in your search for meaning in life. I have great news. God knows just what you need, and you did not find this program by happenstance. We will unpack essential truths from Scripture that will change your life forever. What's more, you will discover a new and vibrant experience with God. I hope you're ready. And now, here's your host, author, speaker, L. David Harris. Peace and blessings, listening friends. We know that you could have chosen to spend your time doing any one of a number of things, but I am excited that you have chosen instead to invest some of it with us. This is L. David Harris, your host, and I am delighted to be able to share with you one more time, one more week. Uh, we can't take any of that for granted. Normally, we can't take it for granted, but certainly not during these times. Have you been watching the news lately? So much going on. Mm-hmm. So I'm thankful to be able to invest some time with you. And we're going to go ahead and pray and get right to it. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit to teach us. Thank you for the privilege we have to get to know you uh, in the hallowed pages of your word. And I pray, Lord, that you will teach us love, teach us faith, teach us patience, teach us uh, to expect the coming of Jesus. And I pray, God, that it won't be just a cerebral exercise, but that we will be drawn into your very presence where we can find grace to help in the time of need. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And of course, I'd like to uh, share the title. Today's subject matter is History Repeats. That's History Repeats Part 1. And as you know, we always do our uh, programs in two parts uh, because, you know, we're, we're here on Saturdays and Sunday. And uh, we want to give you a little something to chew on as you get prepared for your new week. History Repeats Part 1. And, uh, you know, while I was listening to the intro, like you, I, I was thinking about uh, a hymn titled, We Are Living, We Are Dwelling. I wasn't planning to talk about this, but it just hit me while I was waiting. It says, we are living, we are dwelling in a grand and awful time, in an age on ages telling, to be living is sublime, hark, the waking up of nations, Gog and Magog, to the fray. Hark what soundeth is creation, groaning for her latter day. Verse 2, Christian rouse and arm for conflict. Nerve thee for the battlefield. Bear the helmet of salvation and the mighty gospel shield. Let the breastplate peace be on thee. Take the spirit's sword in hand. Boldly fearlessly go forth then in Jehovah's strength to stand. I'll, I'll just give you one last one. Verse three, and the prince of evil spirits, great deceiver of the world, he who at the blessed Jesus his deadly weapons hurled, cometh with unwanted power, knowing that his reign will cease. Did you know the devil's reign will cease? Mm-hmm. Trials will be no more. When the kingdom shall be given to the mighty prince of peace. We are indeed living in the final moments 
before Jesus returns. And maybe one day I'll prove it with some um, extended editions of the program. But for now, let's assume that this is an incontrovertible fact, that Jesus is coming soon. And one day we'll be able to look up if we're his children and say, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. I need to get into this, but I'm thinking about it because Paul said to those who look for him, he will appear a second time without sin unto salvation. And so, Lord Jesus, quickly come, the songwriter wrote, uh, thinking of how John uh, manifested in the book of Revelation. And so Jesus is coming soon. And we're going to talk a little bit about it today and learn some good lessons uh, between today and tomorrow. So I'm going to begin with the book of Luke. That's the book of Luke, chapter 20, excuse me, Luke chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. And today it's going to be a little bit lighter. We're preparing you for tomorrow where we will learn more lessons. Verse 26 from the King James Version of the Bible. And the Bible says, and as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. So this is preceding right before Jesus returns, preceding the time of Jesus' return. Okay, verse 27. They did eat. They drank. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So, you know, it's remarkable that verse 26 says, that just like it was during the days of Noah, what kind of days were they? Well, let's talk about something very basic, very basic. Uh, They were going on with business as usual. Even though uh, Noah was building an ark on dry land, the the earth had never seen any rain, and it was a startling message, and the the, uh, animals were going in uh, two and two and by sevens without anybody visibly leading them. And so many things through that 120-year period of time. And yet... The people just continued with all of the preaching, with all of the entreating, with all of the signs that something was going to happen. And of course, again, Noah was saying very clearly what was going to happen. There was going to be a flood because God had told him. We'll talk about that in a moment. And yet people just went on business as usual. I was in a Bible class, uh, teaching a Bible class a few weeks ago, and a young lady said, well, I don't want Jesus to come yet. I want to get married first. And I said, boy, mm, I understand that you know, maybe want to be married, but isn't it true that whatever God has in store is even better than marriage? Okay. So there was a false sense of security. Everything, nothing wrong with marriage, but everything just as usual, just marrying, giving in marriage, you know, going to work, coming home, going to church, maybe coming home, going to mosque, going to temple, coming home like nothing else is happening. Oh boy, another storm, just going and coming like doors on a hinge. And uh, we're going to look a little bit closer now at uh, Noah's day. And we're going to read Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. And the Bible reads, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Now, let me just pause here. First things first, no matter what any of those creepy movies or books or misguided Bible commentaries say, this was not about human women and heavenly angels copulating and having children. That would be against nature. Because when you think about it, according to uh, the creation account, every species of creature procreated, quote, after its kind. And we've been seeing that. You know what I mean? Like, like, 
like cats don't come from dogs and and eagles don't come from lions. It's just not it's against nature. So a human being and a supernatural being couldn't possibly get together. And besides, you know, they're they're of a different kind. And the Bible says besides that in Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, talking about people. It's a different context, but you'll still get the point here, but are as the angels of God in heaven. So not only is it against nature for a human being to be able to have children after, uh, you know, from a, 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 a heavenly being, not only is it against nature, but the Bible says that they, they couldn't be taking wives. Why? Because they don't get married. That's what it says very clearly. And again, I, I'm saying that because a lot of you have heard that. But who are the sons of God then? We've already established in this context uh, that it can't be holy angels because that would be against nature. It would be against what the scriptures say. And the angels don't take wives. Well, who are these sons of God? Well, the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, John chapter 1, verse 12, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So who are they? Who are the sons of God? Those who receive God into their lives. In this case, we're speaking of God in Christ, Jesus, the son of God, mm -hmm. God, the son Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15 reads, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Okay, again, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we shall be called the sons of God. Wherefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Okay, so in this context, the sons of God, since they're not angels and they're obviously not Jesus, the son of God, must be those who once aligned themselves with the heavenly father. We have seen many times throughout history when God's children have married those who worshiped other gods, and there are always terrible consequences. Are we doing that today? Are we joining ourselves, those of us who call ourselves the children of God? Are we joining ourselves to idols? Are we unequally yoked with unbelievers as though nothing is going on, as though God never warned us against such things? Even the kings of old, like Solomon and others, married women or married, you know, they married women who followed after other gods and their hearts were turned against a God in, in certain circumstances. And so God is telling us that even in the last days, we will see where people are joining themselves with uh, people as though nothing is going on. Let's go with verse three of, of, of Genesis chapter six. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh. Yet his day shall be 120 years. Now, it's very interesting that God would give a probationary period. And from Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible, page 22, it reads, When a sinner has long adhered to that interest and sided with the flesh against the spirit, the spirit justly withdraws his agency and strives no more. None lose the spirit's stri striving but those that have first forfeited them. 
a reprieve granted, notwithstanding, yet his days shall be 120 years. So long will I defer the judgment they deserve and give them space to prevent it by their repentance and reformation. Justice said, cut them down, but mercy interceded. Lord, let them alone this year also. And so far mercy prevailed that a reprieve was obtained for six score years. Note the time of God's patience and forbearance toward provoking sinners is sometimes long, but always limited. Reprieves are not pardons. Though God bear a great while, he will not bear always. And so God showed us that during the days of Noah, he gave the people probation, a time to hear the message, to heed the warnings, to see and discern the signs, and to know that the flood that, Mo, that Noah preached about was going to happen, the destruction of the world, because the people were constantly thinking on evil. You know, we're going to read that verse in a moment, but we see the mercy of God and how he forbear with, God, with, with the people so that they could turn to him. And the Bible says, and there were giants in the earth in those days, verse 4, and also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, that they bare children to them. And the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown, evil men. Verse 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And if you've been watching the news lately, nobody would hardly argue that our world is going down that same path. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But... This is why we're talking about this today with the little time we have. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So we see this two times. One, God gives probation to those who would listen. And two, the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. So today we, we have only one lesson. God never judges the world without warning and preserving all who will cooperate with him. In this story, Noah represents all of those who are willing in our days to cooperate with God. Thanks for joining us, listening friends. Always remember, the revelation of God's word gives light. It provides understanding to the simple. Until next time, be at peace.